0: A message for that twice convicted racist Katie Hobbs who is currently a squatter in the governor's office. Don't get too comfortable, sweetie.
1: Man, that's a whole lot of lies in what? Five, ten seconds? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That Carrie Lake is good. I got the feeling something right. No I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And i get down the stairs oh brother clowns to the left of me jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you here i am from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast that's heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la also in california in red bluff and redding on kfoi and round mountains kkrn up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW. In Lanchester, Pennsylvania on WNews, out in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950. KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of The Bradcast. Uh, So, Ed, I I need to get to this right away because uh, (laughs) on this comment that I let Carrie Lake make there at the top of the show. Sorry about that. Uh, More on her, actually, uh, who you heard there in a moment. But since I quoted her calling Arizona's governor Katie Hobbs a twice-convicted racist... Uh, before then calling her sweetie. I think I need to point out that Lake's claim there about Katie Hobbs, which she has made many times, is absolutely false. It's a claim she's repeated, she had repeatedly made in the run-up to her loss last year in the gubernatorial race in Arizona, and she was repeating it there at one of her Sore Loser rally events back in late January of this year.
0: Which she has had many of.
1: Yes, she has. Well, you know. Girls got to make a living. Yes. Anyway, so uh, oh, hi, hi, Desi Doyen, Hey. By the way, uh, that's Des. Yes. So uh, let me explain what uh, actually uh, that is. What she is saying. There, Newsweek looked into that claim when when Lake started making it in advance of the election last year, and they did a fact check on the statement. They rated it false. This twice convicted racist thing. I'll link to their fact check when posting today's broadcast at bradblog.com tonight for the full details. But there was uh, their general finding here uh, multiple tweets sent by Carrie Lake accused her opponent, Katie Hobbs, of being a quote, twice convicted racist. Katie Hobbs has no criminal convictions for racism, as suggested by Lake in her campaign. The Arizona State Senate was sued, however, in a civil lawsuit by Telanya Adams, a black former employee, at the time when Hobbs was serving as the Democratic Minority Leader of the State Senate. Adams successfully argued that she suffered retaliation for complaining about disparity of pay based on race and sex discrimination. Hobbs was not named at all in this suit as a defendant, though she was a key decision maker in the termination of Adams, along with the Senate Republican chief of staff and the Democratic chief of staff in the Senate. Now, Hobbs denies that race or gender were factors in this decision. A jury found in favor of Adams in two different trials, finding that she suffered retaliation after making a complaint based on sex, though the judge noted in his opinion uh, that Adams, quote, presented no evidence that she complained about pay disparities based on race. Hobbs was apparently a key decision maker in the firing of Adams and has taken some responsibility for that, though denied that either race or sex had Anything to do with the firing. And as Newsweek explains, it should be noted that the Arizona State Senate, not Hobbs personally, was the defendant in both trials. Hobbs was not a party. Moreover, even if Hobbs had been named the defendant, which she wasn't, this was a civil suit with no race related criminal convictions at all. Cornell Law School defines conviction as, quote, an adjudication of a criminal defendant's guilt. Specifically, it is the act or judicial process of finding a criminal defendant guilty of a charged offense. Nothing, nothing like that happened in the case that Lake is referring to where Hobbs was not a defendant and nobody faced any convictions. It's just a sleazy little lie by Kerry Lake. Add it to her long list. Uh, Lake's rhetoric, quote, twice convicted racist, as Newsweek found, is therefore inaccurate. Uh, (laughs) It's
0: more than inaccurate. It's a lie, guys.
1: It's a lie. It is false. And even if you wanted to make this case, there's no convictions, criminal or otherwise. Now, you would think as someone who's running for governor, much less someone who served as The anchor of a news program for years and years would be a little bit more careful, a little bit more accurate when using that sort of language. But you would be wrong. I would be. Uh, And whether Lake calling Hobbs sweetie in that clip that I played, whether that was actually sexist, (laughs) well, I will leave that to you to decide. Again, uh, more on Lake's continuing uh, claims to be the rightful governor of the state of Arizona in a moment. But as long as we're talking about folks who have not yet anyway been convicted of crimes a Manhattan grand jury weighing possible criminal charges against former President Donald Trump will not consider the matter again until at least Monday of next week. Two people familiar with the situation said that, according to Washington Post, on Thursday. Prosecutors from the office of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg have been presenting grand jurors with evidence related to hush money payments during the 2016 presidential campaign, as you may have heard, to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. The payments were meant to help Donald Trump win the presidency in 2016. Kind of important, it seems to me. Uh, There was hope that this would keep her from airing her claims that she had a sexual relationship with Trump years earlier, just after Trump's uh, youngest son, Barron. Was born. The one hundred and thirty thousand dollar payoff to Stormy was made by Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer and fixer, who was then reimbursed by Trump after becoming president. Yes, these checks were written while he was in the White House, from the White House to Michael Cohen to get him to shut up about the hush money payments concerning this sexual affair. Uh, the pay- payments were made multiple installments that were fraudulently designed. Uh, to look as if they were legal fees. DA Bragg has declined to give any details of the investigation, of course, but speculation that Trump would soon be indicted started building earlier this month when Bragg offered the former president a chance to come before the grand jury, a courtesy given to potential defendants in New York if they become aware that they are under investigation and their lawyers request it. Trump, of course, fanned those flames himself by falsely announcing on social media that he would be arrested on Tuesday. Yes, all of this panic over the past week was frankly a fuse that was lit by Trump himself. And we told you at the time that none of that was going to happen. Since he will be indicted if he's indicted and given the opportunity to turn himself in as opposed to New York law enforcement showing up in Florida at Mar-a-Lago, arresting him and dragging him out. If he doesn't turn himself in once and if he is indicted on state criminal charges in New York, well, we would then enter Very uncharted waters as to what would happen next, but he was never going to be arrested over this past week. It was Trump himself who kicked off this past week of 24-7 indictment watch with the cable news networks pretty much going wall to wall. And once again, you know, being psyched out by the disgraced, deranged criminal former president. And I know he hasn't been convicted of any crimes yet. But that's only a matter of time.
0: Well, yes, and it is his uh, routine pattern to say something nutty, crazy, really out there and get the corporate media to follow him around like uh, like he's playing with a laser pointer with a cat.
1: <laughs> yes, and they fall for it every time. Every and, time. and by the way, uh, what is the holdup for the grand jury in New York at this point? Unclear. It was reported that they would be meeting on Wednesday this past week. Then they didn't. Then they were told to be on standby for Thursday. Uh, apparently, they did not meet. Now, apparently, they will not meet again until next week when Indictment Watch, I suspect, will continue again. By the way, I have joked once or twice. Uh, And and I can't recall if I did so on air or not, uh, though I know I did with you, Des, uh, that, you know, an indictment of Donald Trump with some talking about him making a big stand outside of the Manhattan criminal courthouse after being booked.
0: Turning it into a big show.
1: Correct. And then suddenly my joke was that Joker would show up, set off a purple smoke (laughs) bomb, rob everybody's jewels or something. It just all feels so Batman like. And then. There was this today, seriously, seriously, from NBC News, because none of this could get any more bizarre than it already is, I guess. Joker sequel to film scene, including fictional explosions outside of New York courthouse. (laughs) Joker, fully adieu, a sequel to the 2019 film Joker, is slated to be shooting in front of the New York courthouse over this weekend. The same courthouse where onlookers and media are assembled waiting for a possible Trump decision. Seriously, Uh, a scene from the film that will be shot in the area is expected to include 700 protesters. Oh, goody. That'll be helpful. Also, Lady Gaga, who is also starring in the film, other stars and yes, explosions. What could possibly go wrong?
0: Boy, the writers of 2023 are really not doing themselves this season. No
1: kidding. No kidding. Uh, Madness. It is just all madness. Speaking of madness, Carrie Lake, (laughs) Donald Trump's mini-me loser in Arizona. Remember her? Well, she hopes you do. As you will recall, when we last left Ms. Lake, the uh, former Phoenix News anchor, who ran for governor as a Republican last November against Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who is not a twice-convicted racist? Not even a once-convicted racist? Not even close. Well, uh, Hobbs ended up defeating Lake by about 17,000 votes, and Lake had refused to concede, declaring that she had actually won by a landslide But she was robbed of her victory through massive fraud by election officials, specifically those in Maricopa County, the state's largest county by far, where some 60 percent of the state's votes are cast. That's Phoenix and surrounding areas. And they are cast, by the way, under the auspices of Maricopa's Republican Majority County Board of Supervisors and its Republican County Recorder, who obviously were totally in cahoots to help the Democrat win the governorship last year. That's how this theory goes. Never mind the lack of evidence. They just were. The Republicans wanted to help the Democrat win. Okay some problems with the uh, county's on-demand ballot printing system last November, and a few of the county's voting centers only helped to buttress Lake's claim that there was massive fraud that stole the election from her last year, that the machines were somehow purposely rigged to fail. It's unclear, but this was her theory. She also claimed that there were problems with the chain of custody of some ballots, and Maricopa ignored the state process for verifying signatures on some early ballots. All of this was part of the scheme to rob her of her victory. She raised a whole lot of money for her challenge, vowing that she would take the matter all the way to the state Supreme Court. And her suit demanded, by the way, that she be simply declared the governor by the court. Or in lieu of that, that a new election be held. Well, uh, when all of her claims were tossed out at the trial court level, and then all of her claims were tossed out at the appeals court level last month, she declared victory to her followers, tweeting on February 17, "Quote breaking. I told you we would take this case all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court, and that's exactly where we were going. What we were going to do." <laughs> Buckle up, America.
0: That's some really creative doublespeak, I have to say.
1: Right? Well, she was right. She took the case all the way to the Supreme Court. A victory. So that's... uh, Or, you know, making uh, lemonade out of lemons. So to her (laughs) credit there, I guess. Uh, Naturally, her tweet included a link at the time to her fundraising outfit called the Save Arizona Fund. Does that sound familiar? The uh, Arizona Supreme Court, however has declined to hear most of Republican Carrie Lake's appeal in a challenge of her defeat in the governor's race, but, re- but revived a claim that was dismissed by a trial court. In an order on Wednesday evening, the state's highest court said a lower court erroneously Dismissed Lake's claim challenging the application of signature verification procedures on early ballots cast in Maricopa County. The court sent the claim back to a trial court to consider. So, no, Kerry Lake's claims are not dead yet. Lake, according to AP, who lost to Democratic Katie, uh, democratic candidate Katie Hobbs by just over 17,000 votes, was among the most vocal 2022 Republican candidates promoting what AP, I'm happy to say, correctly describes as former President Donald Trump's election lies. She made that the centerpiece of her campaign, in fact, while most other election deniers around the country conceded after losing their races in November. Lake did not. The defective printers that I mentioned produce some ballots that were too light to be read at all by the on-site computer tabulators at the polling places, at some of the polling places on Election Day. And Lake alleged that the ballot printer problem was actually a scheme, was actually meant to prevent her from winning. It was the result of intentional misconduct, though county and state officials say that all of the ballots that were printed too light to be scanned were actually counted eventually back at county headquarters and that everybody who wanted to vote was in fact given the chance to do so on Election Day despite longer lines than usual that were caused at some of the polling places thanks to these um, the problem with these uh, ballot printers and the ballots being rejected by the scanners. The appeals court noted that even a witness called to testify on Lake's behalf, confirmed that ballots that couldn't initially be read at the polling place were ultimately counted. So the Arizona Supreme Court Rejected that argument just, you know, outright from Lake on Wednesday. Lake's attorneys had also charged the chain of custody for ballots was broken at an off-site facility where a contractor scans mail-in ballots to prepare them for processing. The lawyers asserted that workers at the facility put their own mail-in ballots into the pile rather than returning them through normal channels. And that paperwork documenting ballot transfers was missing. The uh, county and the contractor disputed all of the claims, which were also rejected by the court. So uh, to sort of unpack that a little bit, uh, she's claiming that people who worked at this facility that basically processed incoming mail-in ballots, that the people who worked there put their own ballots into the pile rather than putting them into a mailbox or delivering them to the county. Now, I don't know how many people work there. Carrie Lake lost by 17,000 votes.
0: Pretty sure it wouldn't be enough to overturn the election result. And
1: in any event, there was no evidence to support that particular charge or really any of these charges. Uh, Attorneys for uh, Democratic governor now, Governor Hobbs, who was last November the Secretary of State and defeated Lake, Uh, Her attorneys have said that Lake was trying to sow distrust in Arizona's election results and offered no proof to back up her allegations. Lake's challenge under state law requires not only that purposeful misconduct be demonstrated, but that it was specifically intended to deny her victory and that there was enough of it to result in the wrong person being declared the winner. So, you know, that's a lot to have to prove uh, in these election contests in Arizona. And in the meantime, all three courts that have now looked at the matter to this point, the lower trial court judge, the Maricopa County Appeals Court, and now the state Supreme Court have all rejected Kerry Lake's claims, though now the lower court will once again review the one argument regarding fraudulent voter signatures on ballots uh, that were cast during the early voting. Actually, the argument is not even that there was fraudulent voter signatures, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Lake's claim that the signatures on, the, on those ballots were not verified properly as per state law. Now, I'll take you through what the court actually said about the particular claim in a moment, but naturally, Kerry Lake went on to Twitter last night to de- declare victory yet again In a series of tweets, uh, one of them, uh, her first one began, HUGE, she wrote in all caps, uh, letters quoting from what would appear to be a headline from somewhere, quote, Arizona Supreme Court rules in favor of Kerry Lake. (laughs) Forces lower court to look at signature verification issues. Now, of course, she didn't link link to Anything. She didn't link to a story uh, or to the court's actual opinion on this. She just declared a uh, huge Supreme Court rules in favor of Carrie Lake. She then added, quote, they have built a house of cards in Maricopa County. I'm not just going to knock it over. I'm going to burn it to the ground. Well, you go, sweetie. Anyway, uh, then she wrote, quote, Uh, They want to arrest me for exposing fraud in the 2022 election.
0: That's a new claim.
1: So now she's playing the Trump arrest card. You see how that works. Uh, She says now the Arizona Supreme Court has ruled that the very fraud I highlighted has to be looked at. This is big, folks. Hit me with your best shot. I will never, ever back down. Try me. She said. Now, all of that, of course, uh, along the lines of Lake's still continuing grift, making money off her election denialism. Uh, Here she was, for example, at the end of January at, at one of her rallies somewhere in Arizona.
2: People cannot take this level of fraud much longer. Our republic will not. Our republic can't handle it, guys. It's not, it's not about me. It really isn't. It is about us, and it is about our children. They stole this election, and they counted on us giving up.
1: She's right about one point there. People cannot take this level of fraud much longer. <laughs> True. Okay, so... What actually happened here uh, since... See, you thought we were done with the 2022 election, didn't you? I had hoped so. Silly, silly (laughs) you. All right, we're not done. So, in all, here's what happened. In all, Lake made seven legal claims in her case. Six of them, the state's top court said, were properly dismissed by the lower courts. That, according to the opinion released on Wednesday evening, which, again, Lake didn't even bother to share with her followers on Twitter for some reason. It was written by the state high court's chief justice those claims included her claims that tens of thousands of ballots were quote injected into the election which lake called quote an undisputed fact in her lawsuit in fact uh the claim is very much disputed in fact it's been repeatedly rejected now by three courts as well as alleging that problems with tabulation machines disenfranchised quote Thousands of voters. But again, no evidence that it disenfranchised any voters, much less 17,000 of them on Election Day, which is what she'd have to prove in order to overturn the election. Just one of the things she'd have to prove. The Supreme Court opinion said Lake's challenges were, quote, insufficient to warrant the requested relief under Arizona or federal law. But the sixth claim, the sixth legal claim, which had to do with Lake's allegation that Maricopa County didn't follow signature verification procedures, that must now receive a second look by a county judge, according to the high court in Arizona. The county and appeals court interpreted Lake's signature related challenge as applying to the policies themselves, that the state policies For how signature matching on, uh, in this case, early ballots, um, how that is supposed to work in Arizona law and that that was somehow unconstitutional, the the laws themselves were somehow unconstitutional. The lower courts dismissed her claims uh, basically on the grounds that she followed uh, she filed her legal challenge too late, that if she had a problem with the those laws themselves, Her challenge should have been brought long ago, before the election itself. You can't wait until afterwards to claim, oh, the laws we ran on were were unfair. But that was an error. In fact, the Supreme Court said, uh, noting, quote, Lake could not have brought this challenge before the election because she was not challenging the policies themselves according to the high court, but how they were applied in the 2022 general election. Does that make sense? Sort of? You I think, think so. You got it? Uh, so she's not complaining about the laws. She's saying they weren't properly applied. And in fact, uh, the Supreme Court, they don't agree with her, but they say that, uh, that the lower courts looked at the wrong matter. Lake's claim invokes a section of Arizona law that requires signatures on early ballot envelopes to be checked against the signature already in a voter's file and sets the process and timeline for verifying or curing a ballot if the signature does not appear to uh, does not appear to to match the voter file, the one on, on file. She claimed Maricopa County's, again, Republican recorder Stephen Richer, his office accepted, quote, a material number, unquote, of ballots with unmatched signatures last year. The Supreme Court did not evaluate Lake's signature claim on its merit, only on the legal justification uh, to not look at those merits as offered by the prior court. So the prior courts didn't even look at the merits because they said this is an inappropriate challenge that should have been brought before the election. Those lower courts were wrong, according to the Supreme Court. Okay. You sure?
0: Uh, So it sounds like they're saying to the lower court, go back and look at this on the merits.
1: Right, because you guys just tossed it out thinking, oh, she should have brought the challenge earlier. But you're wrong about that. And so uh, the court's new order now requires Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Peter Thompson to evaluate that single element of Lake's case again to determine if the claim was properly dismissed previously or if Lake can prove, quote, that votes were affected in sufficient numbers to alter the outcome of the election, unquote. And to prove her claim, Lake must provide, quote, a competent mathematical basis to conclude that the outcome would plausibly have been different, not simply an untethered assertion uh, assertion of uncertainty, according to the Supreme Court in Arizona. In other words, she must prove that a net of some 17,000 votes, more than 17,000 votes for Hobbs, was were wrongfully tallied here somehow because of this issue. And also remember, if any of this can be proved, that 17,000 net vote gain would also have to avoid tossing out, for example, votes that Lake, uh, for, for voters who had voted for Lake, that were also perhaps wrongfully counted because of signature issues. Now, I'm not sure how any of that can happen, given that in theory... Once a ballot is accepted for counting, it is then separated from the voter's name and signature to be tallied in order to assure ballot secrecy. So again, she can't demonstrate, Lake can't just demonstrate some vague uncertainty here. She has to prove that, A, election officials did this on purpose, not accidentally. They did it for a nefarious means, and B, that they did so with enough votes that it changed the outcome of the election. So as long as she uh, proves all that, she'll be the next governor, I guess. Uh, In response to the ruling, the um, uh, richer, the uh, Republican county recorder, said, quote, I, of course, have the utmost respect for both the people sitting on the court and the court as an institution, and will now proceed and win again for about the 30th time. (laughs) His office, as well as the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, have defended their work in numerous suits stemming from the November election, and they became targets for attack among losing Republican candidates and their allies. So that's what's actually going on in Arizona, in case you are hearing otherwise, like, for example, that the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Carrie Lake.
0: Yeah, not so much.
1: Not so much. Remember, by the way, Republicans in Arizona actually lost statewide. It wasn't only Carrie Lake. They lost statewide last November to Democrats for all of the top offices, including governor, secretary of state and attorney general. And based on uh, what the Republicans who did win last November are now doing, that's a very good thing for Arizona, frankly. Let's take a quick break here. And we'll get to the just some of the damage and cruelty really being wrought right now by those Republicans elsewhere in the country who did win last year. And seem to be taking it out on the American people with some pretty ugly stuff that And Desi Doyen's latest Green News report are all ahead on today's Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves. By stopping by Bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead, do it, right now. From Desi doyan and myself, thank you. You just need to take several seats and then try to restore the peace and control your urges to scream about all the people you hate. I'll try. Cause shade never made anybody less gay. Welcome back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. So in, uh, in May of last year, almost a year ago, Slate's legal reporter, Mark Joseph Stern, a frequent guest on this program over the years, he was among the very first that I saw to call out Florida and Ron DeSantis' so-called Don't Say Gay Bill, as it was being adopted by the state legislature, it had just been adopted at the time, I, I believe. Um, and he was charging at the time that the language of the bill— Could, in fact, allow uh, discussion of LGBTQ issues to not only be barred in kindergarten through third grade, but also for all students in all levels of public education all the way through high school. And Mark and others who were pointing that out were called liars by Ron DeSantis at the time, who claimed that the bill only affected kids who were eight years of age and younger, and it was meant to protect them from inappropriate discussion of of, of sex ed at that age. But there were several points that Mark showed from the actual text of the bill and various attempted amendments to it that called out this as a lie. One was that uh, when a Democratic legislator proposed an amendment replacing the current text with a ban on discussion of sexual activity rather than LGBTQ related speech, Republicans voted that down. In other words, this was not about, uh, you know, protecting kids from sex ed, which is already stupid in the first place, but it was specifically meant, as Mark argued at the time, to erase LGBTQ families. To prevent, you know, even teachers from being able to talk about, uh, you know, if they were in a, a same-sex marriage, from even being able to, oh, here's my uh, wife, or here's my husband. Oh,
0: here's a picture on my right, desk exactly. of my wife or husband.
1: And they could be sued for it, and they could lose their job for it. The But the language of the actual bill, that was one problem of many, but the language of the actual bill was also left purposely vague at the time. Uh, So, for example, from from the then bill, now law signed by Ron DeSantis, quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students, in accordance with state standards. In other words, as Mark pointed out, uh, that meant the bill did not only apply to kids in kindergarten through uh, third grade. It also uh, allowed instruction that is not age-appropriate or developmentally uh, developmentally appropriate in accordance with state standards. For all grades, it was not clear about which standards the bill actually referred to. That part was left vague enough that discussion of LGBTQ issues uh, could be banned by the state in all grades, not just K through three, but all grades up through the 12th grade. Now, DeSantis called critics who pointed that out, he called them liars at the time for claiming that it would affect anyone who was older than seven or eight years old who otherwise, uh, you know, needed to be protected by the state from these so-called groomers who want to turn your kids gay or trans or something. Here's Ron DeSantis indignantly responding to media on that very point just after he signed the bill in March of last year. It doesn't matter what critics say. It says it bans classroom instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation. I for know. who? For, for grades pre K through three. So five year olds, six year olds, seven year olds. And um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. And we're going to make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum. Well, Ron DeSantis certainly told off that uh, guy, didn't he? Well, guess what? Barely one year after passage of Florida's Don't Say Gay Law, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' administration is moving to forbid classroom instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in all Grades, AP reported on Wednesday, expanding the controversial law the critics called Don't Say Gay, as the Republican governor continues to focus on culture issues ahead of his expected presidential run. The proposal, which would not require, pay attention, would not require legislative approval. In other words, uh, Mark was right what he was saying. The bill absolutely does allow. Uh, for this proposal, uh, does not have to be, you know, legislated. What he's talking about not
0: going to be voted on it, by the people's representatives. It can
1: be done as it is now, because it's scheduled for a vote next month before the state board of education, and it has been put forward by the state education department, both of which are led by appointees of the governor. The law does not have to change. His appointee, Ron DeSantis's appointees, can simply expand it based on the existing law to 12th grade. See how that works? The rule change would ban lessons on sexual orientation and gender identity from grades 4 to 12, after the initial law that DeSantis championed last spring explicitly banned those lessons in kindergarten through third grade. Last year's so called Parental Rights in Education Act. Yes, the don't say gay or trans bill drew widespread backlash nationally with critics saying it marginalized LGBTQ people and their presence in society. President Joe Biden called it hateful and he was right. So were all of the critics. Critics of the law say its language, quote, classroom instruction, quote, age appropriate, quote, developmentally, developmentally appropriate. All the stuff that Mark Joseph Stern pointed out a year ago is overly broad and subject to interpretation. Consequently, teachers might opt to avoid the subjects entirely for fear of being sued, losing their job, etc. Those critics were absolutely correct. And now Desantis's Board of Education is going to make that explicit. So remember this. The idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. Mm. And so we disabuse you of
0: those narratives.
1: Boy, I hope that one comes up in a few campaign ads for Ron DeSantis in the near future. By the way, in very related news, perhaps the Florida Republicans who adopted that bill last year, maybe if they were really worried about protecting Florida, they would have been more uh, careful about Well, the guy who actually wrote that bill in the first place on the same week, same day that news broke that DeSantis was expanding the don't say gay bill to all school kids. There was this Joseph Harding, the now former Florida Republican lawmaker who authored the state's infamous don't say gay bill, pleaded guilty to federal felony charges this week. Relating to COVID relief funds, Harding entered his plea deal in a federal court this week. Last December, he was charged with two counts of wire fraud, two counts of money laundering, two counts of making false statements. Harding initially pleaded not guilty to the charges, but now pleads guilty to one count of each of those charges, cutting his potential punishment in half. He resigned last December, a day after prosecutors issued his indictment. Between December 1 of 2020 and March 1 of 2021, the Republican state lawmaker managed to fraudulently obtain more than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in federal assistance under the Small Business Administration's loan program that was meant for businesses impacted by the covid pandemic. Businesses, in fact, of his that were not actually active businesses at all at the time that he applied for and received all of this money.
0: Wow, just some straight up grift right there.
1: The The U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Florida charged Harding transferred the money to his personal checking account, used it to pay off credit cards and other things. He now faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and three years of supervised release for wire fraud, a maximum of 10 years in prison and three years of supervised release for money laundering and a maximum of five years in prison and one year of supervised release for making a false statement, as well as a 200 and $50,000 fine. So, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy who wrote the Don't Say Gay Bill. He's heading to jail for Lord knows uh, how many years, at least hopefully. His sentencing will be in July. His state house district uh, 24, meanwhile, has no representation in the state house since last year. But at least... At least they're protecting school children from learning about gay people in the uh, state that Governor DeSantis claims to be the home of freedom. That was the logo at his big re-election victory last uh, November. Freedom lives here with a graphic of the state of Florida.
0: Yeah, well, at least the guy got in his shot at LGBTQ kids and making sure that they feel as alone as possible in school.
1: Florida Of course, is hardly the only state where Republicans are hoping to harm their own constituents. The Nebraska state legislature voted on Thursday to advance a contentious bill that would ban gender-affirming care for minors despite threats from some lawmakers that they would filibuster the rest of the legislative session. The vote came on the third day of debate in which lawmakers angrily accused one another of hypocrisy and a lack of collegiality. By Thursday... I don't think it's very collegial to. Well, anyway, by Thursday, (laughs) the chamber had turned somber as some lawmakers opposed to to the bill broke down in tears, pleaded with their Republican colleagues to reconsider their support for this bill. Members of the LGBTQ community who had gathered in the Capitol booed and cursed. Ren Jacobson, 29 years old, said, I'm a ball of rage. After the vote, I know so many people, so many kids who will be hurt by this. They come for the kids first, Jacobson said. Then they'll come for the adults. With the bill's advancement, Omaha Senators Megan Hunt and Michaela Kavanaugh promised to filibuster every single bill that comes before lawmakers for the rest of the 90-day session. By the end of Thursday's debate, other lawmakers had vowed to join that effort. Senator Hunt took to the floor of the legislature on Wednesday to confess that the debate is a deeply personal one for her because her teenage son is transgender. She called the bill an affront to her as a parent and called out by name lawmakers that she would hold accountable if they vote to advance this bill. If the bill passes, she said all your bills are on the chopping block and the bridge is burned. We've
2: made it clear that this is a line in the sand. And people have said, well, what if we go after your bills? What if we put a bunch of bills introduced by progressives up on the agenda? Are you going to filibuster those too? Yeah. Yes, because we're not like you. We have a principle and a value that actually matters that much to us that we're willing to stand up for. This is how much this matters to us. You guys really don't get it. You really don't get that the session is over and you're asking what precedent this sets is everything going to be like this now anytime anybody doesn't like a bill is it going to be like this now subsequent motions taking time filibustering every bill no the fact that you're asking that shows me that you really don't get it senator Ron gillern you really don't get it you've crossed a line and you've gone too far This bill harms me in an unforgivable way and this is a line that you don't cross with me if you cross it today you're staying on the other side of it because you have done irreparable harm and you're doing harm to the body and to Nebraska as well don't say hi to me in the hall don't ask me how my weekend was don't walk by my desk and ask me anything we have no relationship And if you don't believe me, if you think I'm going to cool down and change my mind, you should believe me. No one in the world holds a grudge like me. I don't care. I don't like you. You aren't a safe person for my child to be around. Or any child, frankly.
1: That's Nebraska State Senator Megan Hunt. Tell him, girl. Yeah, the bill will uh, have to survive, uh, by the way, two more rounds of debate in order to pass in the unique one House officially nonpartisan state legislature in Nebraska. Republican Governor Jim Pillen has said that he will sign the bill into law if it reaches his desk. Finally. Before we get to Desi's latest Green News report, a quick email from listener Allison in my old hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, on some of our coverage on the broadcast over the past bizarre week. Hi, Brad, she writes. Hi, Allison. Thank you so much for your great shows this week. The networks and NPR have been driving me nuts with (laughs) their, quote, coverage of the 20th anniversary of the invasion in Iraq. Nobody has covered it accurately like you. Well, thank you. I remember when it happened and the coverage 20 years ago was awful, too. Yeah, it was. And I suspect I would not be doing we would not be doing what we are doing today if they hadn't been so awful at the time. This is true. She continues. You are also right that W should have been held accountable. Obama, she says, did a lot of good, but his administration could have held those people accountable and they didn't. And then we got Trump. She says, I loved your line yesterday, this from my conversation about presidential accountability or the long lack thereof with the nation's John Nichols. Quote, you can draw a line from Nixon to Reagan to W to Trump and Roger Stone was there the whole time. Thank you for your great coverage of the topic, she says. She adds, I don't understand why nobody else seems to be paying attention. I'm a music teacher, so I love musicals and I have a real soft spot for 1776, even though parts of it haven't aged well. (laughs) She says, when I was listening to you this week, I was reminded of John Adams from 1776, the musical. He sings, Is Is Anybody anybody there?" There? Does anybody care? Does anybody see what I see? Allison adds, I'm glad you see things the way they are, and I'm glad you bring your analysis to listeners every week. Thanks for your important work, and thanks to Desi, too. Hmm. Allison in St. Louis. Thank you, Allison. Your thoughts are, in fact, greatly appreciated. Desi Doyen is next with the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast Is anybody there? Does anybody care?
2: Does anybody see what I
1: By the way, I think I forgot to give my email address. I am bradcast at bradblog.com if you would like to write in at any time, though I can't always promise I'll make a musical out of it. (laughs) But I'm always uh, grateful for your letters. Uh, All right.
0: And and we do our best to throw in show tunes whenever we can.
1: Whenever possible. Why not? Of course. The American Songbook. There you go. Uh, Anything else? No. No? here we go. We can't put it off any longer. (laughs) Let's get to it. Our latest green news report. The energy equivalent of 600,000 Hiroshima bombs per day are being stored in the ocean, believe it
0: or not. World's oceans hit highest temperatures ever recorded.
1: We just keep waiting for things to get better, and they seem to just be getting uh, worse.
0: Entire West Coast salmon fishery closed due to relentless drought. Plus...
2: Our country's natural treasures
1: define our identity as a nation.
0: President Biden protects public lands and waters with new national monuments.
1: All of that good and bad news straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman.
0: And I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The new U.N. report warns the climate time bomb is ticking and the world is running out of time to avoid catastrophe.
2: We are nowhere close to making that Paris Agreement goal. To accomplish all of it, developed and the richest nations in the world would need to reach net zero by 2040. That is going to be nearly impossible. Wow, that's awful. But I guess a shout out to my baby boomers. Feels like we got the
1: last chopper out of Saigon, doesn't it? (laughs) Yep, this is your Green News Report. And that's a reference we baby boomers understand. Okay. Desi Doyen, good to see Al Franken doing comedy again. (laughs)
0: Yes, it is. What do you have
1: for us today?
0: Well, first, on the heels of a bracing new U.N. climate report warning the world is moving too slowly to avoid catastrophic global warming, now a new study warns of a looming global water crisis and imminent risk of shortages. The study, published by UNESCO on the eve of a crucial U.N. water summit, finds that, quote, water scarcity is becoming endemic because of overconsumption, overdevelopment, and pollution, and warns that global warming will increase seasonal water shortages everywhere, even in areas with abundant water. The report projects that by 2030, global freshwater demand will outstrip supply by 40 percent and urges an overhaul of wasteful water practices around the world.
1: That's a problem.
0: A different study this week finds that the world's oceans have hit the highest temperatures ever recorded, part of a steady warming trend since 1980. Earth's oceans absorb about 90 percent of the excess heat generated by humanity's burning of fossil fuels. Hitting a new ocean heat record this early in the year, combined with a warming El Nino climate pattern forecast for later this year, will have widespread consequences, warns Florida meteorologist Jeff Berardelli.
1: More extreme weather, spikes in rainfall because of the extra energy, hurricanes and the heat index numbers as well and more intense red tide and blue-green algae, as well as a loss of tropical coral leaves. So the bottom line is, if we want to deal with these problems, we have to combat climate change. Oh, man, you guys are killing me literally.
0: Officials in the Australian outback face a logistical nightmare in cleaning up a massive, stinky fish kill on the Darling River in New South Wales.
1: Not so darling now, is it?
0: Torrential rains swept agricultural fertilizer runoff into rivers. The nutrient pollution, combined with record-shattering heat waves, caused an algae bloom that used up all of the oxygen in the river, suffocating as many as 20 million fish.
1: We really do suck.
0: In California, despite a string of punishing winter storms the western drought has had a delayed effect on salmon populations federal fisheries managers have canceled the entire 2023 ocean salmon fishing season along the entire west coast from oregon to mexico in an effort to protect fish populations that dramatically dwindled during the ongoing
1: drought now how did the drought hurt the salmon in the ocean?
0: Because salmon spawn in the rivers, and the drought prevented them from spawning, causing the population to crash. Got it. But some good news. Mm -hmm. President Biden has issued the first veto of his presidency, rejecting a bill brought by congressional Republicans trying to ban the ESG investment framework that allows investment managers to consider factors such as climate change, environment and social impacts in long-term investment decisions for pension plans. ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. But Republicans mainly objected to the environmental part of the voluntary guidelines, fearing it disadvantages fossil fuels. Pension managers are still required to seek the best returns for their clients.
1: Actually, they just objected to it because ESG rhymes with CRT and they got to run against something this year.
0: Finally, Biden this week also protected large swaths of American wilderness from development, designating new national monuments in Nevada and Texas and a new marine monument in U.S. waters near Hawaii. In Nevada's Mojave Desert, the new Avi Kwame National Monument will protect sacred Native American lands, ancient Joshua trees, and rare wildlife. Scientists say such refuges are critical as global warming dramatically reshapes conditions on land and sea. Here's Biden at a White House Conservation Summit.
1: We're protecting the heart and the
2: soul of our national pride. We're protecting pieces of history, our, 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 telling our story that will be told for generations upon generations
1: to come. Well, so there is that. Yep. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we didn't have the heart to get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. You've got to have heart.
0: All you really need is heart.
1: That's all you need. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. says Doyen, our producer, greatly appreciated. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com, where uh, there is no paywall, thanks to those of you who are kind enough to stop by bradblog.com slash donate uh, to make a donation to help us stay on your public airwaves. See? More musical. Yes. Uh, damn Yankees there. Uh, <laughs> you can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Desi is News at bradblog.com. Please come visit me. She's also on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at Green News Report. Yes. And you'll find me at all of the above at the BradBlog. We will see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. You've gotta have hope. All you really need is heart. When you'll never win, that's when the grin should stop. You've gotta have hope. Mustn't sit around and mow. Nothing's half as bad as it may appear. Wait till next year and
0: hold
1: When your luck is bad